Have you ever seen a house where the current or previous owners have planted plants in such a location of the yard that it makes you just shake your head and go, what were they thinking? You know, I sure have. And this week we delve into a landscape design theory and philosophy called the three R's. Right plant, right place, right reason. This was taught to me as I studied in college in ornamental horticulture and where I worked at a retail nursery where the state certification was company policy before I could start designing landscapes for the nursery customers. The three R's is very self-explanatory, yet it does require a pretty good understanding of plants, their habits, sizes, blooming period, uses, and care. I am so glad you are here with me today. I surely hope your Christmas holiday was what you wanted, whether that be a nice quiet day or evening, maybe a roaring family get together or something somewhere in between or totally different. Hey, let's get into this week's topic, the three R's. Roll that intro, please, maestro. Hey everyone, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every week I bring you landscape tips and tricks and design concepts in an easy to understand format so you can tackle projects yourself, get the results you want, be a lot more self-reliant and save a lot of money in the process. After a 20 plus year career as a successful, self-employed, landscape designer and contractor, college educated in ornamental horticulture, a retail nursery manager, and to finish off the CV, a California certified nurseryman, I bring with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I want to share with you, the modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. As a wee lad of 19 years old, I landed a job at a retail nursery called Navalet's Nursery. It was a small chain of nurseries in the San Francisco East Bay Area back in the late 70s and 80s. The only thing I knew about plants was I knew how to cut lawn really well and turn a bush into a ball without any problem whatsoever. That was about the sum total of my, quote, green knowledge base, unquote. But I did have one thing, guys. I had a desire, a very strong desire to learn and a very good work ethic. Thank you, mom and dad. Navales took me from that little 19 year old whippersnapper and molded and shaped me into a young yet knowledgeable California certified nurseryman. I passed many tests, both corporate and eventually state. I went on to college and passed all their tests as well and left Navales to run another store for another chain of nurseries for a few years. In all that education, I learned the three R's over and over and over again. It was drummed into my head, so it was like breathing when I had a design in front of me. Later in life, as I started my own landscape design and construction business, I saw many, many less educated competitors and what they were installing in their landscapes for their clients. These guys were using plant placement that made little to no sense to me. This is not, a, let me make this really clear. This is not an elitist statement at all. It was just an observation. You know, I had a friend in the business and one day I stopped by his job site and I said, when I saw his plant placement, I said, hey, dude, why are you placing those plants in that place? because I wanted to be politically correct and nice. He was a friend. I said, they're only going to hide, cover, outgrow the space, whatever. 
you know what he told me? And I don't know if I caught him in a bad mood that day or whatever. He told me, hey, Matt, I can't see it from my house. <laughs> and I just, I just looked at him and I said, in a kidding manner, I replied, well, you would not put a king-size mattress in your kitchen either just because it fits today. The guy just looked at me and I could see the gears grinding in his head to digest what I just told him. And it just never really clicked. Ugh. Well, anyway, okay, enough story time. Let's break down the three R's and maybe it will be clear to you in the end, if it isn't already. You know, the right plant concept, the first R, the right plant concept surrounds the point of size, especially at maturity. Plants that grow 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide have no need being planted in a little three foot foundation bed in front of a house or on the side or whatever. You are just inviting the not so pleasurable task of butchering that plant a short time later and trying to keep it in the ridiculous boundary you have asked it to perform in. You will often see this in production front yards of residential developments. Some architect who may have never done actual landscaping calls for certain plants to quote, fill up a yard. The contracted landscaper gets these plants and installs them and two years later, if all goes well, the homeowner is having to prune them three and four and five times a year or more likely is having to remove them because they've outgrown the space and it just doesn't look right. It looks absolutely overgrown and stupid. Now, where I practiced for many years in Northern California, it wasn't too, uh, too long ago where a lot of the residential developments really got into front yard landscaping installs. And because of uh, the drought situation that we had for many years, there were no lawns. There was lawnless landscape. And I saw things like uh, uh, upright rosemary, uh, agapanthus, full-size uh, mock orange, pittosporum varieties, and they were planted as foundation plants. They were planted out in the middle of the yard. They had uh, sea green junipers right next to the sidewalk. And it was just like, what? This, this is coming from the drawing board of highly educated people. Uh, architects are very highly educated. Now with that, I do have a caveat that I have seen a lot of landscape architects designs and drawings and have bid on many of them. And it's kind of comes around to, you can be classroom educated and then you can be real world educated. And sometimes those plants just didn't make sense. Right plant can also refer to not only size, but bloom time and leaf color. Having a sequ sequential blooming cycle throughout the landscape calls for the right plant or plants being used to provide the landscape with near year round color, which is something I really liked focusing on. Also using the leaf color and providing contrast with other plants for exquisite contrast effect like uh, a burgundy background with a chartreuse front plantings or something along those lines or flower colors that are complementary like pinks and whites or oranges and deep blues. I'm just using some of those as the example. The right plant concept is paramount to sun versus shade planting as well. You know, taking something like a blue agave plant and placing it under a large mature redwood would not benefit the agave in any way, shape, or form. Not to mention it would really look out of place, don't you think? Are you starting to pick up what I'm putting down here? This is where a little planning and consulting with a local nursery will pay huge dividends. When I say nursery, I'm speaking of a real mom and pop nursery with a design staff and a little or a lot of knowledge base. 
take a scale sketch in and ask for help. Then when these folks have spilled their accumulative knowledge base to you, you know something, make sure you buy the plants and materials you need there. Don't be one of those creeps that says, hey, thanks a lot, tip your hat and run off to Walmart because you're gonna save two or three bucks per plant. You know, education costs a lot and it really helps mom and pops like that to uh, you know, spend your dollars there, be a good patron because not only that, but you'll also have a professional in your hip pocket for life as long as you patronize that store. Let's jump into our second R, shall we? Now the second R is right place surrounds the concept of placement based on size, surroundings, and usage. For instance, if you are fortunate to have a large backyard and planting beds and expansive and wandering throughout, you may approach larger areas like this with fronting or frontal plantings, filling plants, and backdrop plants. This creates a like a stair-step effect that draws the eye back and up throughout the bed and allows the beds to almost be displayed or tilted forward rather than all one flat plane for the viewer's eye. That is why you see in nurseries you have display beds that have tiered type of uh, displays. They don't have them always just flat. End caps and stuff will have three and four board displays, uh, maybe sitting on cinder block. That's because it literally, for the customer's eye, takes and tilts those plants forward for you to enjoy and just leaps out at you visually. So using the right plant in the right place assures this by selection of proper cultivars of various plants that fit the place they are going to be used. Four foot plants of a particular variety will not be placed in the front of beds, but rather probably as fillers or even backdrop plants, depending on the situation, leaving the fronting plants to two feet and lower, or even ground cover and perennials down low. Right place can also refer to focal point plants as well. If you have found and want a very unique specimen of one plant or another, and want Want to hold it in high regard and place that plant in a position that will be in an area of the landscape where it is highlighted based on surrounding other plants or hardscape material or lighting at night that focal point plant really really is important i did this on occasion with uh, plants such as uh, fancy japanese maples uh, weeping blue atlas cedar when i was in the bay area new zealand tree ferns were oftentimes a focal point fire red fall color of uh, burning bush euonymus nandina gulf stream and others so do you understand the the right place also we talked about the shade versus sun but kind of kind of goes along with this as well now for our third r we discuss the right reason we place plants in a landscape in a particular fashion. It becomes slightly, ever so slightly redundant by now, but still the reason we place plants in a landscape correctly is purpose-driven theory. Really focus on that, purpose-driven theory. For instance, number one, outdoor screens or walls. You know, if you have privacy issues, or something that you, you don't want the neighbor looking in on, or you have a raised deck and they don't, so when you're sitting on your deck, you're looking into their pool area, you know, you get the get what I'm getting there. Number two would be uh, like shade production. You know, if you're in a, a hot area and you're 
backyard is a scorcher in the summertime, you've decided to place certain trees that are fast growing maybe uh, within reason to produce some shade, maybe for your outdoor living area, maybe for your, your bedroom windows and doors so your bedroom isn't an absolute furnace in the summertime. How about wildlife attraction? You know, a lot of people uh, plant things that have berries, certain types of flowers, certain types of fruit that attract certain wildlife into the yard, such as hummingbirds and butterflies, any number of things, even uh, butterfly larvae and stuff that are going to uh, feed on certain plants for purpose, okay? So how about view preservation? Framing a view, or if you don't have a good view, maybe concealing it. You know, like if you have a, a grade school behind you, or a commercial center of some kind, or a cement yard, or whatever. Maybe you need to conceal that a little bit. Another use, another use would be like wind or snow breaks. I saw a lot of those up in the, the northern tiered states this year, where they plant hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of uh, thick, heavy vegetated, evergreen type of things to slow the wind down and slow the blowing snow coming across people's properties. The other thing you could use is for the right reason is just color spots. Remember we talked about focal points a little bit. Color spots in the yard when you're rounding corners, you have beds on one side or the other that are just popping with annuals and perennials certain times of the year. Now, how about this one? This is the last one I'll leave you with. Secondary uses. And when I say secondary uses is maybe you have a piece of property that has this you're fortunate enough to have a gorgeous large native oak tree or tulip tree or ash tree, sycamore, whatever it might be. And you want to put in one of those custom tree houses for the kids or yourself. You know, that's the right reason, right reason to buy that property because I'm going to have my man cave tree house up in that tree. Now, the bringing of these three landscape design theories together or coalescing them so they all make sense is the challenge of all professional landscape designers. It really is. At least ones that are that give a darn. When I designed for folks, I literally went through uh, an hour and a half to two hours of client discussion, listening more than talking, taking notes, photographing areas, visiting that house once hired, probably two or three different times during different times of the day and estimating sun versus shade exposure throughout the throughout the day and then giving it kind of a scientific wild ass guess of what it would look like in the depths of winter and then you know that would kind of steer me towards plant selection a little bit heck i even assigned homework to my clients that empowered them a little bit to delve into pictures online or in books and their own memories and come up with a, a list of wanted plants liked type of plants and just as important dislikes that they didn't want to see in their yard. Then it was my job to make it all work together with what I had as far as a site, the environment, the neighborhood, the skill level of my client, and as far as gardening and maintenance prowess, where they sat on that maintenance scale. So ladies and gents, there you go. A small peek into the three R's of landscape design. Hope I presented in a way that was easy to understand and digestible for you. Take these and other concepts from some of my other podcasts or some of the YouTube videos and incorporate them so that you pull off a very successful landscape makeover. Or if you're in a brand new home, maybe a first time landscape. Do it yourself. You can always do it yourself and save thousands, if not tens of thousands. If you are really getting jazzed over these winter months, keep an eye out for yet a bigger and a lot better yard coach tool that will be 
my ebook uh, coming out in uh, March of 2021. There will also be a an accompanying online course called Homescape 1.0, set to be released about the same time. Stuffed full with just about everything I have ever learned in landscape design and construction. Brought to you in written and video form by yours truly, Coach here. And of course, the wind beneath my wings and the editor of all YouTube and podcasts that we do here, my wonderful wife, Pamela. Well, until next week, I sure appreciate you sticking with me up to this point. Catch you again next Friday. Check out the plan of the week and also some of my videos and podcasts on YouTube and right here. Take care, stay safe, and use these winter months to plan prepare and get ready for the next landscaping season. Unless you're those lucky people down in Southern California or Florida or the Southern tier states where you guys can do things 12 months out of the year. Hey, take care, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF, as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.